time, and we have a forum. Uh, I mentioned him to others that uh, with one retire uh, resignation uh, from Ashburn and Elliot being on inactive status, uh, we have now a total of seven active members of the COA, making a quorum of four. So, kind of cool. <laughs> Oh. And, and Sammy's coming in. Uh, she's on her way. Is so, there a copy of the agenda? Oh, yeah. oh yes. absolutely. There. And if yeah. you could sign in, Kim. Sure. And then yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Just a minute. Yeah. Yeah. The minutes are there. The agenda's there. Thank you. Do you want a minute? No, the minutes are on there. I, I gave it. Oh, you gave it to you. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Sorry. I want one. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Yep. Uh, so uh, we are convened. Uh, so uh, uh, we present our uh, Richard Payne, Mike Wilkins, uh, Tony Fasolo, Kim Price, and Sammy Bahur will be arriving soon. So we have a quorum. You please stand and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Uh, we, uh, Rochelle is not going, uh, who is from the uh, Department of Family Services, is not able to attend today because she's appearing in court for pers reasons that we don't know, and nor will we try to take Yes. Uh, the report for uh, May shows uh, somewhat of a decline in total cases being reported, which is always uh, a comforting sign. And it, uh, last time, Rochelle gave a very good, detailed uh, report on how cases are being processed. So uh, we are uh, we have a, a good representative and. Uh, good work on the part of Department of Family Services. Scott, some time ago, uh, we decided to change the order of events to put the speaker up front, so, <laughs> so that speaker didn't have to wait till the end, which had been the case in the past. So, uh, uh, welcome Scott Gross, who is from uh, the Transit Computer Services Division. He's the manager. Uh, Scott has uh, been a a strong proponent of improving transportation. That's his job, uh, but uh, from our perspective of improving transportation opportunities for those who are aged and infirm, uh, we really appreciate that. And I, I know he has tracked, if not participated in, in the study that the Board of Supervisors commissioned several years ago. Uh, the outcome of that was not optimum, in my opinion, but at least it recognized that there were shortcomings and possible methods to improve transportation. So with that uh, somewhat cryptic introduction, I turn it over to Scott. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Rich. So as Richard said, I'm Scott Gross. I'm the Transit Community Services Division Manager. There's seven of us in the division. Um, we handle everything from employer outreach, where we work with companies that have 100 or more employees trying to help them get transit or public transportation to their facilities, 
Uh, we also operate all of the local fixed routes within the county. We have some of those fixed routes connect to Metro Connection Services and we'll connect even more to Metro Connection Services when Metrorail starts, as I'll go when I go through the slides. Um, and then we have commuter bus service that goes all the way into Washington, D.C. We're also responsible for carpooling and van pulling and trying to manage is not the right term, probably coordinates a better term. Van pool is a separate you know, uh, program on its own. Carpools are pretty much organic. We help match people up, but then, they, then they're pretty much organic with folks. Just uh, we align them if, you know, we've got a program at commuterconnections.org. We partner with them where you put in your information. It tells you, okay, going from point A, if you're within a mile of this zip code and then you're going to a mile of this zip code, they, they claim that as a match. And then, you, you know, those folks are responsible for getting in touch with each other. Um, I will touch on the study here in just a little bit um, as we go, so I'm going to go ahead and jump into our slide. Okay. Um, so really what I'm, I'm here to provide for you, you is to kind of show you where we are, where we're headed in the near term, and then I'll kind of talk through, I'll go through the study, and then in the end I'll just really kind of freeform it as to where we're, we think we're going um, with the support that we have right now. Um, I, I like these to be very informal, so feel free to you know, jump in anytime you want. If you've got a question, let me know. Um, everybody's you know, open for questions, and I'll tell you the same thing I tell everybody. There are no bad questions. Mm -hmm. uh, I know what it is. I'm knee-deep in this stuff every day. Um, most other folks aren't, so if you have questions, feel free. Can I start off with a question? Sure. <laughs> Where do you fit in the county hierarchy? Um, so I can, there's, I don't know how many departments within the county. I'm in the Department of Capital, Transportation and Capital Infrastructure. Okay. In the trans, in that department, there are, it's, it's, there's probably 85 or 90 folks in that department. The majority of them are on the construction side. Road construction, facility construction. I know where. To, yeah, I know. So, uh, Lou Mazarak, you work with him. So Lou and I work closely together. Yeah. So okay. Lou is Lou is the planning group for transportation yes. services. So I am under that transportation transportation services kind of umbrella. Yep. Um, it's a little bit. So really, there's two groups under that. Lou's group under transportation services. Yep. They're currently looking for a director now. Uh, they had one, John Thomas, who was really good, but he just left. So Nancy Boys, our acting director, is also operating that as Perfect. well. Yep. And then next to that is Penny Newquist and us, and we're in, I don't even know what we're calling our division anymore. It used to be Transit Community Services, I don't even know what. I think they're calling it Transportation Services now, but I'm not sure. Um, we also have a uh, position that deals directly with WMATA. So for all things Metro, um, and so to communicate, and basically Penny's handling that position right now because it's big. Uh, but essentially what that is, just going to all the Metro meetings, figuring out where everything sits on the Metro side of things. More financial than construction, because construction is just taking care of itself. Um, if you, in case you're not aware, we, we have nothing to do with the construction side other than you know, give our inputs as far as what we are okay with and not okay with. Um, and that's really at Mr. Hemstreet's level, the county administrator's level. 
So the county administrator, Joe Krobeth, who's the director, um, they go to all of the Walmart stakeholder meetings, and then um, Penny handles all the financial side of that. Uh, so that's, hope that, it's a long minute answer, but I hope that kind of- Nope, that's perfect, thank in. you. Yep. And then uh, where I fit in is right below Penny, and I handle all things transit. Perfect, so thank that's you. where we are. Um, okay, so this, it's just kind of hard to see, but the, the point of this slide is this is where we sit right now. And, it, and you can kind of see my mouse kind of going along. This is really all Route 7. So all of our routes are going from Percival over here to Leesburg in the middle, and then through Ashburn, into Sterling, and then some of them come over and go to the rail station. That's the way it sits right now, and it has been that way for the better part of two decades. Um, up until 2014, the county operated none of this. Uh, There's a local fix, a local nonprofit called Virginia Regional Transit. They used to operate all of this service, and they actually still operate uh, the Percival service. So that's the Route 40 between Percival and Leesburg. They still operate that. Now, the census, the 2020 census, is getting ready to finally wrap up in the middle of 2022, and it will likely change the um, boundaries of what's urban, suburban, and rural. Um, Virginia Regional Transit handles all things rural. So any place that is on that map that doesn't have a transit route on it really is considered, is really almost considered rural in this county. And Virginia Regional Transit provides on-demand service. They have five buses that they provide for all of that open space. And then they also provide a bus that goes between Leesburg. They operate the Route 40, and then around that, which I'll touch on a little bit uh, in a couple more slides, there's a three-quarter mile barrier, not barrier, but three-quarter mile buffer where we actually provide paratransit service. So service with anywhere within three-quarters of a mile of these routes, we're required to provide complementary service for those folks who can't get to the bus stops. Uh, uh, can I, what is that, be, uh, south of the airport, what is that blue route there, what is it? So that was, this is an older route. Um, we used to have a route that ran around, that was south. It didn't do very well, yeah. so it was kind of shut down. Um, but actually that route right there still, and this route's a bad, <clears throat> a bad example of it. Uh, or was it Mass to serve the airport? Is that what it, was? it was to serve, actually, Metro. Oh, it, actually, oh, it would take oh, folks to work, um, and it was very, very popular pre-pandemic, uh, and, and okay. kind of like all of our routes right now that are work-related, they're a little slow coming back. Uh, we are starting to see quite a big, quite a bit over the last 60 days, um, nowhere near pre-pandemic levels, but still a significant increase in ridership. I'm sorry if we get ahead of you a little bit, but no I'm also, you said something about the uh, not-for-profit group operating the Percival route, mm -hmm. but do you also have a company that actually operates or runs the routes? So yes. The rest of it? Okay. So we, our job is to, good morning, our job, staff's position, or our job is to oversee the contract. So the contract um, with your company is currently Keolis. It is going through, it, they've had it since April of 2021, 
So it was a it was quite a challenge for us because of the fact that we in the middle of this pandemic we had the, we used to have two contracts. We had a local fixed route contract, a separate company that did just the routes within Loudon, and we had another company that did all the commuter bus routes and the Metro Connection routes. Both of those contracts ended and were combined into one for synergy purposes, right? So we could have one maintenance staff, one management staff, one dispatch staff. And so everything was coordinated. Before it was very, very disconnected. There was the local fixed route, nobody knew about it on the commuter bus side, and nobody on the local fixed route side knew about the commuter bus side. And so it was just, it was very, very disconnected. So if a passenger got on a bus and asked a question, half the time the driver couldn't answer because it, it was about the other service. So we were like, oh, we've got to fix this. So we combined them into one. That happened in April. Um, so this is the old service. That's where we are, and this is where we're headed. So once Metro Rail service starts, as you can kind of see, what I call the spine, while it's still over here for, for the existing service, we're making a conscious effort to shift it to the basically down the middle, more in the middle of the county. That's the local <coughs> toll road that's there. Um, and the goal here is to be able to connect folks from the southern side of the county, which is down, you know, in this lower corner down here. Um, that's South Riding, Alden area. Uh, we're trying to really have a focus where if you don't have a vehicle and you want to get around that, we're going to get you north to south, east to west. And if you want to go in to the district or you want to go into Breston, Tyson's, or any of those places, we're going to connect you to the rail station so you can get there. So the whole goal here, and this is really step one of probably a hundred, right, that where we're going to start to head to. So this is this was a significant upgrade to our current system. Um, it's taken 20, we had to add 20 new routes to make this happen. Um, and and I should I should caveat that there's really 10 new routes that have two buses going in different directions so technically they're different routes um, but that's a significant amount of money to put that in perspective for everybody every time you add a route one single bus that operates 20 hours a day I'm sorry 12 hours a day that equates to about three hundred thousand dollars a year between what you're paying the contractor fuel maintenance <coughs> Um, so every time you see a new route come on, if it's two buses and it's 12 hours, it's roughly $600,000 a year. Now, we're changing thing, things significantly. All of these new metro connection routes um, are going to operate on almost all of the same hours that metro will operate. So right now, the local fixed route service in that first slide I showed you operates from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. with two buses that operate from 7 to 10. There's a Sterling bus and then Route 70 that connects Leesburg and Sterling together. When rail starts, all of those new buses will operate from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, now a number of them, probably 60% of them, will have a break in the midday uh, between 9.30 and 3.30, let's say. Uh, but we are so, and we had to do that for budget reasons, to stop those in the middle of the day. We still kept some strategic routes open, like in Ashburn, where we have more density going in and out. Um, 
we're we're toying around with adding some buses to the rail stations that are not assigned to a route so that if folks want to get from point A to point B, we may be able to put it on more of an on-demand service. Um, so that way we can use less routes but still get people to where they need to go. The whole point here is Loudoun County, by and large, is a transit-unfriendly county. And what I mean by that is not so much the people, while that's part of it, right? The folks are used to having their own cars and used to driving around. The road infrastructure is not transit conducive. A lot of cul-de-sacs, a lot of small turns that don't buses don't operate well in. So we're having the challenge of the road infrastructure, trying to add more transit, and how, how can we do that? Um, so we're looking at buying different types of buses. We're also in the in the middle of um, right now. Everybody's you know obviously going clean, right? You know, I don't know how many of you guys have a electric vehicle, but that's kind of where we're headed in that direction. Um, we have a couple of battery operated buses on order right now. Um, we also have a couple of compressed natural gas buses on order right now. We're going to run a little side by side pilot kind of see where everything goes. Um, the problem with that is compressed natural gas is not really clean because of how what it takes to get it to me. Um, the same can be said for electricity. Uh, I'm not sure. If I get too much into the weeds, you guys let me know. I'm just kind of kind of give me some history of the background of it all. Um, so we're heading in those directions, but from a, a, to bring it back to the operations piece, um, the goal here is to basically have, at some point in time, uh, minimally to have connections to every affordable dwelling unit that's in the county, connections to every, um, what I call over 55, you know, either buildings or developments, like the Dublin Green, right, connectivity within a quarter of a mile of every place where we really feel like transit could be used and, and is probably needed. Um, so let me just keep going here. All right. So on the on the website, yes, yeah, yeah. And it may be a film, but is every transit vehicle road accessible? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I should have said that, but yeah, that's actually a federal law after 1996, I believe. Okay. Now. There was a period of time that you they still didn't have them, and the reason for that is is that when you buy a bus, especially using grant funding, typically federal funding. We, now the county hasn't used federal funding yet, but they still have to follow the same guidelines as the federal funding uh, legislature. So when you buy a bus, particularly a bigger bus, it's you have to keep it for 12 years. 12 years or 500,000 miles. So therefore. From 96 until 2008, you still had lots of buses out there that weren't wheelchair equipped. All of them should be wheelchair equipped now just for federal law. All of ours are, no matter how small or how big, all of them have are wheelchair accessible. Um, the only reason I'm showing you this slide and the next slide is these are graphics that we put out for public comment originally. Um, we've got... <coughs> close to 800 comments um, over the different routes, which was very helpful. Um, these are all on the website at 
uh, loudon.gov slash bus. You can click into these and you can see it basically takes that big map that I just showed you and breaks it down into all the new routes that are on there. Um, so that's really the only reason I wanted to show you guys that. As we discussed earlier, another federal mandate is, and the board has, has provided guidance for us to follow the minimum federal mandates, which is every fixed route that operates during the day that's within the county, actually that just operates it, it's got to have their their guidelines there. You got to have more than two stops. It's got if it travels more than five miles with the door closed, it's not necessarily falls into that guideline. We are so all of our new service does fall into this guideline. So essentially, and it's paratransit service. This policy, for the lack of a better term, federal guidance is it's really for equity. What they're saying is, if you're able-bodied, and we're going to provide you a route for. A, a ride from point A to point B, then if you're disabled or you can't get to a bus, then we're going to provide you a route from point A to point B within three quarters of a mile of that route. Um, this service, you have, it, it does have eligibility requirements for. Um, so you do have to, our, what we use is adaride.com. They provide all of those. We typically follow Metro's paratransit guide. So all of the eligibility requirements on the under ADARod.com really came straight from WMATA. Um, we chose to do our own uh, for some more, we were really trying to look out for our citizens. If you, if you want to become, if you want to become certified by WMATA, you have to go downtown and actually go through some physical things and bring some paperwork done from your doctor and all that kind of thing. Um, we don't do that, there is some doctors paperwork does have to be filled out that, that says you're eligible. Um, but once you're eligible, you can get a ride anywhere we go within the county within three-quarters of a mile of an existing route, and that's important. If you have a doctor's office or you have another office that's outside of that three-quarter barrier, we, we won't serve it, um, simply because that's the guideline the board is giving. Now, alluding to what Richard said earlier, so, uh, well, before I get there, this is the Previous route, so this is what we're currently running right now, and then all that shaded area is the three-quarter mile buffer around our existing routes. Now, the pink you kind of see up in the, up over here and then over here, when we start to, when we go shift to our next line of routes, we're going to include all of that um, because it's what we call landline. So the federal guidelines also say if, if you have a route that circles a piece of land and but the three quarters of a mile doesn't cover that whole area, you're required to cover that whole area because it's in it's landlocked. In this particular case, <laughs> on that top side, it's Potomac River. So uh, we can't, you know, putting regular routes out there doesn't make sense because of the density, but because it does, there still are you know, folks in need of rides out there, we will cover that under our paratransit guidelines. Let me ask a question. Sure. Just practically, how does that work? Does someone have to make an advance call and say, I need a ride from my house to here? Yeah. And then on the other end, let's say you're going to a doctor's appointment, then you have to make arrangements on both ends. Correct. Is that right? Correct. So you typically, first of all, folks, once they've made one, they get it really easily, right? right? 
you can call, and there's also an app. There's an ADA ride app that you can you actually can book your own reservations on. Um, it is a challenging concept operationally because you know, 15 people may call and say, "I want to ride. I need to ride at 7:30 in the morning when we only have five buses right now available to us for this service." So the way that you stay in um, you know, where, where you're actually not breaking any rules is you're basically you're in compliance, I guess is the best term, is you're given a window of an hour, I think it's 60 minutes. Of, of, so it's 30 minutes in either direction. If you, if you ask for 7.30, we're, we might come back to you and say, there's not a bus available 7.30, but I can get you, I can pick you up at 7.05 and get you, can pick you up at 7:45 and get you, and they'll give you a window to try to fit you into where they can go. Um, one of the things that uh, that Richard alluded to was this unmet uh, transit needs for seniors and disabled residents. What this basically showed us is, uh, well, let me start here. So, Chair Randall, uh, it was an initiative out of her office. Uh, it was really based upon. Um, there were a number of folks down in the really southern part of the county that were trying to get rides that couldn't get rides um, because Virginia Regional Transit only operates on-demand service, not paratransit service. So their on-demand service meant anybody can book those buses. Paratransit service obviously you have to be eligible. So it opens up the pool of folks to ride. So we had a lot of folks really in all honesty, it was a lot of parents that had children that weren't capable of riding that needed somebody to pick them up and drop them off right where they needed to go. They were, they were highly functioning enough that they could do that, but if you put them on the bus, they, didn't quite, they couldn't quite grasp that concept right, of where to get off the bus. So the paratransit service was the perfect answer to that. So that's kind of where this was going, and, and what this had was we've provided five buses and over the last multiple, actually probably 20 years, um, we are now providing close to between 10 and 11,000 rides a year for paratransit services. Right? Well, that seems pretty good, right? That seems like a lot. It's not. Okay? So, this graphic, um, I brought it just to kind of show you where the, the unmet need is, but really it's reversed. Really, what's up top where it says the unmet needs should be the needs that are provided, the rides that are provided, and the big long cracks down below should be the unmet need. The reason for that is we're providing 10,000 rides a year. This study came back and said potentially, based just based on the number of, of senior and disabled folks in the county today, right? There's 10,000 rides a day that are needed. Okay, so that's the gap. That's the delta between the two. Now, we, we also have to understand that that's mathematical methodology, right, for the lack of a better, better term. But let's just say there's roughly 480,000 folks in this county. There are about 48,000 or so that are, that are um, either senior or disabled or can't drive for some reason and need a ride. So that just tells you right there, you have 48,000, and we're only providing 10,000 rides a year, right? So even if you took 5% of the 48,000 
and said, these folks need a ride every day, you're still getting into, you know, 2,500 rides a day you need. So that just kind of puts it in perspective. Here's the other thing that puts it in perspective from a cost for everybody to understand. For every bus that you have or van, it can you can really only realistically provide 10 rides or so a day, 10 to 12 rides or so a day. Because that's how long it takes to pick somebody up from their, from their curve, take them to the next curve, then that van or bus takes off to the next ride, and, and, they, and you do that. Realistically, you can only get 10 to 12 rides because of the geography of the county, right? It's so spread out. Um, you know, obviously, if you were within a five-mile radius, that would become a lot different, but that's not how the county's built. It's very, very big. So that's the struggle on my end that staff has is trying to, and that's where we're headed now. We just got three, because of this study, we got three buses approved, or three minivans approved, for, for the paratransit service. We also got a mobility coordinator approved. Um, and the reason the mobility coordinator was approved is, one of the things that came out of this study is, when, when we surveyed the residents in Loudoun County, nobody knew half the services existed. And they didn't have a clue who to contact to figure out how to use those services. So that those two pieces of information became vital in this study to, to, to provide to the supervisors. Okay, so they awarded you know I they awarded a, a, a full time employee a mobility coordinator to us. Um, whether that stays with us or not, I don't know. To me, it's more of a DFS kind of a human services position because it's really it's not just transit. It's you know, it's, it's providing meals on wheels and all kinds of other things. Uh, and it's also providing services to where we don't go, right? There's a lot of doctors who want to pull them take them. There's a lot of doctors that are outside of our three-quarter mile barrier. There are a lot of other buildings that are outside of our three-quarter mile barrier. So it's, it's, it, that's the next level of discussions that are going to come up for transportation for, the, for senior and disabled folks. Yes, ma'am. Is that a different position than the ADA coordinator that had been around for years? Is that position still? I don't even county? know. It if, used to be in transportation. Well, I've been in, I'm, I'm in transportation, and I've been there for since 1993. Okay, so. Catherine um, Monavance. Catherine she was a, yes, that, that's a, that's not transportation. Right, there still is. Yes, oh, right. I forget her name. Sarah, I think it's Sarah. Yeah. So there's a lady that handles, but she is more of a, I think she really is more of a, 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 an ADA coordinator yeah. where she's really, her job is to make sure, like, um, I, and this is the way that I understand it because she doesn't work for us. I, I think her job is to make sure stuff like the website is ADA accessible. To make sure that all of our signs out there are ADA accessible for font sizes and all that kind of thing. I think that's where her she fits in. So it, and I don't honestly know whether she's the coordinator. Ours, the mobility manager for us, is really going to be. I envision the person that we we can give the public a single point of contact. Right? If you need to get somewhere, you call this person. They're going to know who to put you in contact with, because we provide the transit. But when we did this study, there were 26 service providers in the county outside of, including us. So there were 25 additionally. Um, 
either, you know, whether it was Echo or um, there's just a number of different volunteer agencies. And the problem with volunteer agencies is they're just that, they're volunteer, right? And a lot of volunteers, we, you know, folks need to go to the doctor on, you know, 9.30, 10.30 on Wednesday morning. And they're like, well, I got to work. I, I can volunteer on Saturdays. And it's like, so it, it wasn't, there was, a, there was a disconnect there, right? So uh, there were a lot of volunteers that have good hearts, but they just couldn't fit the time frames that we were, they were really needed. So the coordinators should help be able to do that, where if we can't help folks, then we can get them to other folks, that, other agents, or agencies, not the right word, I guess companies that can. Now, having said that, it is also going to be able to, to now give us data to quantify. So as we're going through over the next year, the year after that, the year after that, we should be able to say, okay, go back to the board and say, we need 10 more vans, 10 more vans, 10 more vans, because the need is greater. We now have data documented proof that we can't take care of all these folks. And that's my biggest concern is, you know, the board for years and years and years, and I'll, I'll grab you in one second. For year, the board for years and years and years has basically said, if we don't hear from you, there must not be a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my stance and our stance, and one of the big things that we had that we that we really hammered out of this study was folks just stop asking when they don't know who they're asking. They they get turned away too many times. And we're basically saying, look, there's a there's a ninety percent of the people that are out there are just shuttered up in their homes because. They can't get out. They, their family members are working. They can't get out. They've got friends that are working. They can't get them out. And and our stance is everybody deserves to have a life outside their home if they, if they choose to, right? If, if you don't, fine. That's great. That's okay. But it should be your choice. And, you know, we can't be all things to all people, but for goodness gracious, we can't provide 10,000 rides a year for when we need 10,000 rides a day. Got to do a better job. So that's where we're headed. Long for the long and the short of it for that. Um, Question back here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so exactly what does a mobility coordinator do? So the mobility coordinator is brand new for us. So it's going to be you know what I like I classify as a fluid position, right? Meaning that whoever this he or she whoever gets hired is going to have to we're going to figure out what they've got to do. The, in, the initial point and the initial purpose for the hiring is we have right now 26 different agencies, companies that are providing rides that aren't coordinated at all, right? If you, DFS might know who their folks are, but they don't coordinate with the area agency on aging, right? The area agency on aging might know a little bit of what DFS does, but then they don't know what we do. And it, so this person really is to just become the single point of contact to not handle everything, but at least give the public one place to call and then they can go, you know what, you need to write in the doctor's office instead of you bouncing off of all of these different you know, agencies and trying to figure out where it is, I know where, you know, this is the only company that can provide a ride for that, this is their backup that can provide a ride for that. And then so we can now have a place where folks can just call and not run into the frustration of trying to bounce from website to website or from phone to phone. That's the real purpose of that. And then the other purpose, like I said, is to really start to collect data and identify where we can go. So how does a mobility coordinator 
hiring a mobility coordinator or being that position approved was the remedy for getting the word out about transportation for no, I wouldn't call it the remedy. It's step one of 100 to, to be able to start the process. Really, what it was was we identified a need that we don't have a single point of contact. So that step one is just solving that problem. You know, and then step two is going to be getting that word out that this person exists and this is the number you should call, right? That, that'll be the next one. Once we get that person in, we're going to have to get a phone number established directed for that purpose. Mm -hmm. And then really start pushing it out with with the public affairs uh, committee, you know, the communications folks, uh, trying to get them out. So uh, that's where we're headed, um, you know, from a paratransit perspective, um, and from a mobility coordinator perspective. Um, I see us over the next several years. Um, I see our paratransit services probably growing at a much larger percentage pace than than our regular transit services, uh, just because folks in this county have a lot of money and like to drive. So it, it's going to be a culture shift, right? It's a culture shift to get folks to understand, to do that, and to trust. Part of it is too, you got to be able to trust it, right? Right now, with the local fixed route services, if you if you miss your bus, you're waiting at least an hour for. Them. And that, that's the other thing we got to do. And that's something I should have started off with with everybody, too. Those new routes that we put together, um, we're, we tried to set them up where you would not, the, if you were at the farthest part of that route, you wouldn't be on the bus for more than 20 minutes. Um, and we also tried to put it together where if, if you missed that bus, you didn't have to wait more than 25 to 30 minutes to get your next bus. Ideally, we'd like to have that down to 10 or 15. That's what the all the statistics say, but that's an awful lot of buses, and we're not there yet. So, a couple. It talked about the funding issue, and you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of. Old mm -hmm. I know that, but how how is it fun? right now? You said the county provides, and then there's federal money. No federal then, money. No, they don't use the federal money. Okay, but uh, how about uh, fares? People pay for buses. So local fixed route fares are a dollar. So you're really not collecting a lot of money out of that. Uh, our budget for transit uh, is about $25 million a year. Uh, our collected fares on the local fixed route side is less than a million a year. Um, so we get grant funding from the state. Um, that equals typically 12 to 15 percent of our budget on any given year. Um, and then, so you have fares, you have grant funding, you have, on the commuter bus side, there's a lot of grants out there that are, um, that we, we've got probably six routes running right now. They're paid for by the tolling on the I-66. So that helps offset that. And while it's not, in, while it doesn't seem important if you're in the county trying to run around, it is because it helps offset those costs and then those costs can, you know, those tax dollars can be used for the local fixed route side. I used to use the transit when I went to the Pentagon. Yeah. That was, that was a great deal. Yeah. Drop, you know, it was a big sleeping sleeping <laughs> place in the morning and the evening, and then it just dropped right in front. Yeah, I mean, we, lost, uh, we lost a lot of that when the pandemic hit because, yeah. and it's inter an interesting thing right now is the roads, based off of VDOT statistics, are almost back to pre-pandemic traffic levels. Yeah. yeah. But the difference being is, Transit is not. 
So what's happening is all those people that used to ride the bus are now driving yeah, because they, they can. They and, 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 but as that pain point gets worse and worse and worse, yeah. then they'll start to shift back to the bus. And, and then when the metro be a problems, uh, metro trains having problems and all. Do you know, uh, anybody know when we're going to have metro out here? Do we know that? I'm sure somebody knows. But yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks. Um, I, I, what I can tell you is uh, we've been told that operational readiness date You'll hear this in the news. ORD is what they're referencing it as. Um, we expect to hear that in the next week or two, a couple of weeks. Um, now we were, in all fairness, we were told that two weeks ago too, and it didn't happen. Um, but then again, right when that happened, there were a bunch of things that happened at Metro. The Wiedefeld general manager Wiedefeld resigned. His chief operating officer resigned. You know there were. Some other things, and now all of a sudden, so it's now shifted that. That's more of a personnel issue on a lot of side to get that worked out. But I, I, I still firmly believe it will be up and running before the year is out. Uh, the way that it was originally presented to us is from the minute, from the time they announce operational readiness, there's a 90-day window to get trained and, and get done. Uh, Based on what I'm hearing, they may extend that 90-day window to 120 days or something like that. But um, Christmas present, maybe. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, right. The problem is, is there's a confluence of issues out there. One of them is Wamada had nothing to do with building the rail. Right, it was done between uh, EMWA, the Airports Authority, and the federal government, and then a devil. Company called CRC that does all the construction. Well, if, if you've been in the federal world for a while, you're familiar with the term value engineering. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> so, for those of you who haven't, um, if it's going to take 10 million to build something and you only have eight, then you figure out what you really might get away with, and they call that value engineering. And next thing you know, you cut this out, cut that out, cut this out. And the hope is, is that when you've done that, you still have a very functional product in the end. A safe product. A safe product yeah. in the end. So what ended up happening in Wamada or at Metro, there was a lot of that going on because of it and because of the delays and the delays and the delays. So uh, I, I think they've resolved most of those. There's still a, what they call a heat tape issue that they've got out there, and that's just um, they wrap the third rail, the electric rail, with tape. Keeps snow and ice off of it and it's if you depending on how you do certain it's supposed to have a 25 year warranty it's not just that there's some other things but um, it wasn't done properly so they're only willing to warranty it for 15 years and Metro is saying well why would I accept that <laughs> you're not 15 years off of my maintenance so that's the kind of stuff that's going around just so for that so um, so that's really all I had um, you know, we kind of went back and forth on it, but um, you know, I've got my cards here. I'll leave them on the table here for you. If you guys, you know, if you have any questions or anything, you know, feel free to contact me. There are no stupid questions. Um, we're going to try to um, go ahead. Well, no, you finish your sentence. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say we're going to try to um, every year, kind of like the question with the mobility manager in the transit division. Every year, we try to get better at communicating with the public. Uh, for the past several years, 
really since I've been here, we create the routes and then we put them out for public comment based off of, because there's so little routes operating in the county, we're just like, okay, we need to get here, 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 and here, and they might be affordable dwelling units, they might be apartment complexes, they might be uh, employer sites, you know, and so we tried to pick the major ones that we're doing. Well, now we've gotten to the point where really, I've told my folks, they have to shift their thinking. It, we need to get the citizens input first. Where do you guys want to go? Where do you want to go? Right? So then we can start because right now when you're when you're not when you don't have a car and you're what I classify as transit dependent, um, you're gonna make it work, right? I'm gonna go from here to here, from here to here, from here to here. Well the reality of it is is if I've got forty people going from here to here, why am why are we making them take three buses when I can put a single bus there and give them an hour and a half of their life back or two hours of their life back a day and get that done. So that's where we're headed now on the transit side of things. We're getting much more involved on the local side, which we haven't been in, in the past. Um, we've got a very transit-friendly board. We hope that that stays the case for the next couple of years or terms. Uh, that will help us to move forward and become better. So Scott, you, you almost addressed what I was going to ask, but uh, I know there's a big new um, development. I think it's called Ravana or something like that. Yep. Is that the name of it? Yeah. Um, so how would you go about uh, including that into your route system? So that's a great question. It's um, it's not just Ravana. So um, somebody mentioned Lou Moserat. I did. Okay. So Lou's group sees every development that comes into the county. Right. So when it comes in for an application and then it and then it goes through lose group for every review, right? So it's, there's the app and then once the developers built it, they may come in for a change and they want to change it and it becomes a you know, now it's a different name and it's out of my, my out of my element. But the bottom line is that everything goes through lose group. Lou and I work very closely together and whenever it comes in, his first question is, What do you need? So Did the question is to you or to the developer? To us. Okay. What do you need? And then he puts it in his referrals. So the way the county works, in case everybody doesn't know, when a developer comes in, they provide a concept plan or a concept development plan, a CVP, and they submit it. Lou's group is specifically, who works in my office, his his is to make sure they meet the road infrastructure that's based that we already have in the county wide transportation policy, right? Kind of a transportation plan, make sure that they meet certain criteria and that. Our, from a transit perspective, we say, okay, let's just say that this is a development right here, right? You know, and let's say this little intersection right here, they drop an affordable dwelling unit. Well, the roads to get in and out are over here. This is what developers do all the time. They're going to want to put a bus stop right here. It's three quarters of a mile walk to the affordable dwelling unit. Well, that's not okay. Well, what are you doing? So it's that's where we fight on behalf of our citizens to get the road infrastructure set up so we can get buses in there. So that's where that's when all that happens. So, we don't always get it, but we always fight for it. So just a little nuance to that: um, Does the developer need to um, ask, tell Lou, "Look, I'm setting up these three sites or whatever it might be, bus stops, bus stops." And so that he, then he makes the request, 
to you to say, we know that there's going to be some, you know, request for service to this particular area. Is that how that works? Uh, it can work that way. Most times, the developers, it, it, it depends. It, if you've got, listen, there are very, um, you know, there are developers that are very, very cognizant of their citizens that they're going to be building for. Right. And they want to do what's best for them. Right. There are also a number of developers that are just trying to make their money for the development and get it up, get it running, get their dollars and get out. Um, those are the ones that are a challenge for us because we're saying, look, you know, because the county policies are, especially now, right, if you're going to put in a big development, X percentage of it has to be affordable dwelling units. Exactly. X percentage of it has to be, you know, there's, there's 18 different acronyms for the types of houses or residences right. or whatever. So they set it all up, and you know what they like to do is put their nicest, and most expensive homes on the front line. So that's what you see from the road, and then they put everything else, you know, in the middle towards the back. And those are the folks that we're trying to serve, right? Those are the folks that need the roads. I mean, need the buses. So um, it's different every time. It's different for every development, every every person. So um, it, it's. <coughs> It's our job to make sure, no matter which way it comes in, that, that we're getting our, our, you know, our facilities as best we can. And that's your coordination with Lou, though. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks very much, Scott. All right. Thank uh, a lot you of good information. I appreciate your. Oh, what is that picture? I'm sorry. <laughs> is that the is that the uh, your facility just over? Where am I now? That's the Leesburg parking lot. Yeah. So just right down the road here. Right. Okay. Right. right. Down the road here. Yeah. It sure is. So if you go out, if you were to go down to this end down here, that's Claudmore Park. Yes. I'm sorry, not Claudmore Park. No. Bowling Park. Yeah. Okay. Thank you all very and much. Thank you. When is the road uh, uh, to uh, the, the big park and soccer complex and all that coming in from Route 7? When is that going to be finished? Do you know? Uh, Cross Trail Boulevard? Yeah. <coughs> I, I, I'd have to go back and look. Mm -hmm. um, I know that they're going to, um, segments of it will be finished. Like mm -hmm. the segments all the way to Sickland Road will be finished. There's, the segments from Sickland Road to Kincaid Forest, if you know Leesburg, is already completed. The other segment after that, I think, is going to be done in the next year or so. Well, um, now, the problem is, is connecting it to the Greenway, which is where it's supposed to go. I think that's going to take a little bit of time because there's a huge ravine there. And oh, yeah. Build a bridge. Oh, just uh, the only way to get to that park is to go down Sickland Road now, which is very time-consuming. Time it's a narrow road coming uh, from the north. <laughs> so, yeah. Just a curiosity. Yeah, I, but it's they've been working on it pretty good. Yeah. I work with that developer quite a bit, too. All right. Thank Thanks you. very much. Yeah, I'll here. You okay. guys can grab them on your way out. No worries. Good. Thank you very thank much. You, thank you. If you guys have any questions, you. let me know. Okay. okay. Thank, thank, you. thank you very much. Um, public guest comments. We have uh, only one guest, and that's uh, Lakeisha McDur McDurphy. Yes, but I don't have one comment. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. And, and Lakeisha's name will come up later on in my comments. Thank you. <clears throat> um, so approval of meeting minutes. If you take quickly take a look at uh, the last uh, month's minutes, the only comment that I have, I, I think that we 
approved to um, cancel the August meeting. I know that it, it uh, I think it's discussed. Maybe I didn't oh. see the right <coughs> the right line, but uh, okay. I think that we. Oh, I think we said August and December. August and December. August and December. Okay, so August and December uh, meetings are canceled. And I'm really going to miss that December meeting. I mean, the big Christmas party and, you know, oh, you get to have and, and exchanging get, gifts and everything. That, that's I right. Mean, that's, and hugging. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> speaking of hugging, uh, Nancy Barwick's comment uh, last month about coronavirus uh, surging, uh, we should all be attuned to that because I, yes. I know that we have friends who have come down with a virus, and I hear of others and organizations. So just please be cautious. Yes, I had it. Uh, so any any others? Uh, any other comments about the meeting minutes before we? So did you have a change, Rich? Did I not uh, mention August? In, oh, I, there, August and December here. I'm scheduled for the remainder of year. August and December were the months selected and agreed upon. Page two. Oh, okay. All okay. the way down at the bottom. It's okay. a schedule. Okay. Of remainder. Sorry. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. You're I, I was looking so, elsewhere. In the you're looking for a motion to approve the minutes. I'm looking for a motion to approve. I, I so move. Do we have a second? I can second. Thank you. Any uh, uh, disapprovals? We have five voting members. Anybody take objection? That being the case, we have a. Vote of five four, uh, zero against, and uh, two absentees. Uh, uh, actually, three. Uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy, and Nancy. That's it. Just the two absentees. Because uh, Ashburn is vacant and Hilly is uh, on indefinite absence. Um, so. Minutes approved. Chairman's report, and uh, note the time. It's now 10:30. We've got to uh, hustle along to finish by 11:30, so I'll make it make my comments quick. Uh, one, uh, the virtual center for active adults. Uh, I ask that you make sure that you alert your supervisors of this virtual center for active adults, uh, and if you sign up for that. You get a weekly schedule that you can, and in, in, in your notes, include the, the website so people can sign up for it. And they will get this uh, weekly schedule, some of which are run by uh, uh, Fairfax, uh, some by uh, Prince William. And uh, these, it's, it's free. There are body and mind, general year yoga. Um, uh, tips for beekeepers or from beekeepers. I mean, there's there's quite a range of interesting subjects. So, please alert your commissioners of that issue. Aging in place. Uh, Kathy Winters alerted me to. Well, I was probably supposed to see it myself, but there is facilitator training for aging in place, and this is sponsored by the uh, New Valley, uh, New River Valley uh, Area Agency on Aging. And this 
uh, program covers questions that people should have about aging in place, about housing. I mean, if you're going to stay in your house, do you need to concern yourself about the possibility of wheelchair accessible, health and wellness, transportation, personal finance, connection and growth? Problem is that this is held on June 28th uh, down in Blacksburg, which is 250 miles away. Uh, and so my question of uh, the Loudoun County Area Agency on Aging, can we ask that a representative attend remotely, even if we need to have the registration fee, which is like 35 bucks, I think. Um, and uh, this link provides, uh, this information provides a link to a, a, a workbook that contains 73 pages PDF, <laughs> which includes uh, all the questions that they're going to be discussing during this facilitator training. So uh, quite an interesting listing of questions um, uh, about uh, trip hazards, lighting, in homes, uh, transportation, well, there you are, transportation, we talked to Scott. So there are a number of issues, and uh, uh, Deborah, maybe this is something that uh, uh, you can discuss, but uh, uh, even if we ask that this workshop be provided remotely uh, at another time, and uh, or is it going to be recorded? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, so the Aging in Place workshop information, as I said, is accessible in, at the website that is listed here. Rich, and I can look into that and get back to everybody on that. That would be ideal. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, next subject, and Sure, sure. <coughs> Next subject is the NVAN platform. Uh, NVAN has published its le legislative and budget uh, platform, uh, the, the subjects, and we have uh, uh, Kathleen Winters is on the committee for budget issue of paid sick leave for all workers, at least 10 days, including direct care workers in nursing homes, assisted living, and home care. Uh, and we also have our uh, repeat visitor, Lakeisha McDurphy. Thank you. There she is. How can I miss you? Uh, has volunteered for two legislative items, and we really appreciate your uh, energy and willingness to contribute, Lakeisha. Uh, one legislative item is to extend from five days to 14 days the required notice by a landlord to a tenant for intended eviction due to non-payment of rent. That sends chills down your spine, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Another legislative item requiring guardians and conservators to have initial training before beginning service. And that's like the aging in place information. You have to know what limitations exist, what needs uh, exist, so that would be uh, tremendous. Uh, I don't know, Deborah. Are you going to address virtual membership? As uh, I'll, I'll, I'll not say anything more than that. Uh, so, uh, 
the November NBAN is going to be chaired by Loudoun County, so we need to be attuned to that. Um, uh, we have our vacancy of the Ashburn uh, position for the COA. Um, Terry has noted that there have been three uh, okay. indicators of interest, uh, one of which came through uh, uh, Deborah, uh, and uh, she noted that this uh, Dr. Linda Silverman, and she sent me her point of contact information. I sent her an email uh, just saying, hey, if you want to talk, please give me a call. She has been uh, in Ashburn and has uh, given meditation classes at the Ashburn Senior Center. So she's already shown interest and uh, particip willing to participate, willingness to participate. Uh, <coughs> next item, uh, nomination committee. We uh, think about it, this is uh, June, July. Okay, so we need uh, uh, by September we need to have uh, interest shown for uh, nominating people to the positions in the COA, chair, vice chair, and secretary. And uh, of note, and I mentioned this last meeting, uh, this is my last year of eligibility. Uh, chairmen are limited to two consecutive years uh, of leadership, and I squeak by with uh, being able to serve in this position for two and a half years by virtue of the previous uh, commissioner, or, or chair rather, uh, resigning as he was moving out to uh, West Virginia, which is a good reason. Uh, so uh, I've enjoyed the position for two and a half years and, and uh, intend to continue uh, as a member of the commission, uh, but not in the position of chair or vice chair for that matter. It's time for leadership to expand and uh, uh, enjoy, I guess is a good way of putting it too. So that uh, concludes my comments. Anybody have any questions? Well, you, you mentioned about the <clears throat> open position. I guess that leads into uh, maybe Mike's going to bring it up but about the redistricting and how oh. it affects anything here. Do we know? What? Don't know. Yet, no. Don't know. Still. Okay. All I do know is that the board did accept or vote for the maps. Right. Um, and they've been sent now to the. State. State. The state has to say, yes, yeah. okay. right. And then from that, will trickle down to what happens with the COA, I guess. Right. Uh, okay. Well, okay. interesting. Um, uh, the director's report. Who is taking the lead on the director's report? <laughs> Tricia. I am temporarily handling that. Oh, very well. So, um, but we're very pleased to have Deborah as our interim director, so that's always a plus for Welcome, us. Welcome, Deborah. Yes. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to give a brief update on a couple things that are going on with the AAA. Um, 
I know that you were all informed, Lynn had talked about, we were doing several articles with the Loudoun Times Mirror, and in May we've had three so far. Um, one was on home-delivered meals that I think Deborah, you and Deb Mobley might have done together. Um, we did a general one for the AAA programs. Another one was just, just came out for the adult day centers. Um, and we have a couple more articles coming out. And again, this is with the Loudoun Times Mirror. And the paper goes to approximately 44,000 households, 70,000 plus readers. So it's a good opportunity to get out the word on what the AAA does, our programs and services. Um, and they'll be doing a couple more articles with us in the coming weeks. Um, we also have just recently utilized an approximately $8,000 grant from, um, this, from DARS for an ad that we put out in Loud and Now, right? I always get the two newspapers confused, <laughs> Loud and Now, um, which was a big, I think it was a one-page ad on in how you can obtain information on vaccine access and who to call, such as the health department. And it also had the AAA's name, number, contact information. So Leslie was instrumental in helping us get that ad out. Um, we had a really limited amount of time to do it, and it went out to, um, or will be going out. Uh, it started in May, and it runs for seven weeks going out to the same thing, 44, approximately 44,000 people each time. So it will reach approximately 308,000 people uh, once the ad has completed, completed its run. So that's another great way to just get our name and number out there. Um, a couple things that we've done recently are for our outreach. We just completed a Lansdowne Woods Health Fair um, with the Ashburn Senior Center, we had a table and reached around 250 people, came to visit us there. Uh, we also participated in the Latino Festival at the Douglas Community Center and had about the same 200-250 people came to the AAA table there. Um, another little event that we did, the ADCs participated um, after a two-year break due to COVID, they just participated in the Virginia Free Fishing Weekend on June 3rd. And this was a big event, big event that the ADCs have previously enjoyed doing but had to put on hold due to COVID. And they, what they do is they go to one of the parks um, and the park staff set up some fishing for them, some outdoor activities, a picnic lunch provided by Ron at our kitchen. Um, and they have a great time, so it's really nice they could get out and do that with their participants, um, especially after a two-year break of doing it. Uh, we just had a caregiver program that Leslie spearheaded on, I believe, May 18th, and that was, correct me if I'm wrong, Responding to Dementia-Related Behavior, uh, presented by the Alzheimer's Association. And finally, um, well, two things. Uh, one, I wanted to ask if you'd be interested in having our case manager, Lori Stahl, come um, perhaps next month just to do a brief presentation on what case management for the AAA does, who she reaches, and what type of people she sees. And just wondered if you'd like to have her come and present. Um, I think that'd be a great idea. And, uh, 
Do you have any objections, Mike? No objections. Yeah. All right. Good idea. Great. Okay. No, great. It's great. a very okay. much needed resource, and Lori spread very thin throughout the county. Mm -hmm. um, and it'd be great if you can hear a little bit about what she does and oh, yeah. what our needs are. So if, if that's okay with you, we'll, uh, Terry, we'll put her on the agenda. I've spoken with her, but wanted to ask if you'd For July. be interested. Yeah. And then finally, I wanted to highlight um, one of the AAA's programs this month, and that is the Senior Trips Program. Um, Terry Fleming heads up Senior Trips, and most people are familiar with them, but I wanted to give you a couple flyers that they're of some of the amazing trips that they have coming up. And everything's also on the website, and Terry and Sonia welcome um, people to contact them for more information. She said she'd be um, happy to come present at some point when she's not off on a trip. Uh, but for now, I wanted to give you some of the flyers that they gave to me. They're really great trips. The, the first one I'm passing around, I believe, is full, although they do on occasion have openings. But they wanted you to see some of the various things they do. That's the Hudson Valley. Next is the Amish country trip, which sounds fun. Um, the third one sounds really fun, the Rose Parade. Rose Parade. Holy moly. The yeah. final one is just a, um, That's a, trip. It's a whole yeah. calendar of trips coming up and tells some of the um, information around the trips programs. So they run some really amazing programs. Uh, and have gone to some pretty fantastic places. Deborah, feel free to jump in if you want. But um, these trips are really quite phenomenal. We and uh, we'd love to have Terry come in sometime when she's able and she can tell you more. But please feel free to reach out if you have any questions or know of anyone that's interested. Okay. Thank you. That's our trip. Thanks. Getting the word out is really great. Those articles. And yeah. That, that, yeah, we're going to be doing more of that in the coming years. Well, as our speaker said, or the transit dug, the same thing, people didn't know about more right. or anything that's available. We have so much in this county that yeah. people don't, don't understand. Don't that's right. That's, that's right. right. And we're going to be doing quite a bit of that this year, just getting the word out as much as possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. And that's it. Okay. Uh, thanks very much. Appreciate it. I have a quick question. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you, so I noticed that at the Ashburn Senior Center, a lot of people sign up for these trips. Do you find that at all of the senior centers that there's a lot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we yeah. have quite, most of the sign-ups come from the senior centers. centers. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. um, COA member comments. Uh, Alf, going down the list uh, from top to bottom. Mike, you're first on the list. I don't have a single thing. How about that? Tony. Just very fast, uh, everybody knows it's uh, Flag Day today. Mm -hmm. It's also yeah. the Army's 247th birthday. And uh, I served in the Army, and uh, it's a senior service. And the two days seem to go to, together very nicely. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. And we all took an oath to the flag, actually to the Constitution, but flag represent. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I need to get with Kathy on the isolation issue. We sort of dropped the ball on that one, but uh, that's, oh, that's yeah. about it. We'll, yeah. I'll get together when she's 
Yeah, yeah, that was right. I, I neglected to mention that uh, special commission. Yeah, the commission. We, uh, I got caught up in different, yeah. different things. Overcome by events, we used to say. OBE. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> uh, Sammy, we're going through um, uh, members' comments. Okay. Uh, would you care to jump in? I can jump in. I have had a few rough weeks uh -huh. because I am actually going through everything we speak about in uh -huh. the uh, Commission on Aging. Wow. Uh, I have uh, my elderly um, mom and uh, I have a uh, sibling that convinced her while she's overseas that he's going to feel out the real estate market and see about selling her home, oh. but didn't tell me. Oh. And it sold in four days. Oh. Um, and I get a call saying, you better get over here and pack. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's very stressful. My poor mother is panicking. Oh, yeah. She doesn't know what's going on. And she kept calling me and saying, tell your brother I did not die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be moving in with you, oh. you know. And um, oh. it's my honor to take care of my mother. I've been begging her to live with me since my father passed away. But finally, it's going to happen. But the stress, there is no planning. the planning, um, the one-sided oh. affairs, wow. it, it, it's not nice. Yeah. I was an attorney so that we can make sure everything goes smooth. Yeah. But, you know, it was an all-of-a-sudden thing. And then our airlines are not helpful because the flights get changed three times while you're sitting in the airport. Uh, yeah. There's no crew. No pilots. There is no crew. And you're sitting there, you're on the plane. Oh, everybody get off the plane. Mm -hmm. There's no crew. <laughs> wow. And then you go to the next plane, and there's no crew. Yep. And you're waiting till the middle of the night to get home. And so by this morning, it was like, oh my God, like my eyes are swollen, everything's swollen. But yeah, it's very sad to see that. Sorry. I, I see all the emotions yeah. that we talk about with how an elderly person feels. I mean, for her to say, I'm not dead, I'm just moving. I mean, no. it's very sad. Oh, no, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will get her through it. Good for you. Thanks. You're going to get through it. Right. Right. Oh, nice. So I'm happy to be here, good to see everyone. Yeah. Um, Terry, you don't have to put this on the minutes, but no. I have a, a COVID story to share. So I went, two years ago, I was supposed to go celebrate my 65th birthday in Alaska, and you know that didn't happen. So I did go, finally. Um, well, up until Sunday, you had to I, our cruise ended in Canada. You had to test to come home. Mm -hmm. And I had no symptoms and was positive for COVID. Oh, mm -hmm. no. Um, when? <laughs> so, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. I've been testing like crazy since then. So, so um, I've got to tell you a great experience, though, because my, my friend and I, we went. We, the cruise ship will take care of you if you test positive when you're on the ship. Oh. Once you get off, they used to test people, they stopped, because once you get off the ship, it's your own problem. Oh, wow. 
So I, we, had, we took kits with us and we tested on Friday, cruise into Saturday, and mine was positive. And people, if you are positive, you do not wait 15 minutes, you know in one second. <laughs> I mean, that thing yeah. just bam, yeah. lights up. I it's know, strong, it's a curious. strong one, they yeah. say. That's and um, anyway, so luckily I had no symptoms, I was very healthy. But the cruise, the cruise ship kept me on the ship for a week and provided everything for me. Oh, what? that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they took care of wow. everything. So wow. um, I did book my own flight home. They, mm-hmm. And it was also Alaska didn't want us off the ship unless we had been negative for two days. But then they decided if you quarantine for five days, you can go home. So it was a real mess. But at any rate, so I had been home. I was, I was going to be in for my birthday, not of my choice, but <laughs> I will say this, Alaska is absolutely beautiful, and two oh, weeks out, it was lovely, <laughs> and I was quarantined in my room, I had a balcony, and I just kept looking at all oh, the nice. mountains going by, and glaciers, so it was, um, my, my whole point of the story is, is, first of all, I wasn't sick, because I've been boosted in, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which is the good news, but, but the other part is... Um, <clears throat> It's just really interesting. You know, I could have had the flu and been on the plane and nobody would have right. I could have infected yeah. thousands of yeah. people. I'm glad so. you shared that because we're going on a cruise yeah. in about four so weeks. So t- take your home test, yeah. test before you get off. If you are positive, call the medic, tell them, and then they will take care of you. They, yeah. You took a home test? I took a home test. And that's how you found out. And then I called I the medic and said, I think I have COVID. Yeah. Wow. So you take and a little bit. I have plenty at home. And they came and tested me. And then once. And my friend was negative, so we talked they would have let her stay, and I said, no, you go home, because what's going to happen is yeah. you're going to get it five days yeah. after me, yeah. we'll be right, in the right. same boat yeah. again. So, okay. so yeah, that, that would know. be my suggestion, um, because they are responsible for you. That is good to know. Because yeah. 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 I, I was in Morocco. I got home yesterday from Morocco. Oh, wow. And I oh, my realized. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Just yeah. travel time. Really? So I partied enough. I partied enough that I didn't lose any sleep or anything. I stayed on East Coast time. But um, one of the things I, when I got there, I found out two days after that you didn't have to test to come back into the United States. Wow. However, I wore my mask the entire time. So did I. Yeah. I was there. So did I. Yeah. I wore it on the plane, too. So did I. Really? I wore it the whole time, except yeah. when I was eating. Yeah. But nobody else on the ship was. Now yeah. you have to wear your mask. I mean, they've changed all those rules oh. because it wasn't working the other okay. way. So, um, what cruise line? It was Princess, but I think they're all doing the same. Okay. Good to know. Thanks for sharing. So that. if you want to stay on longer... Just find somebody that you could get I test positive. Yeah. Keep it, keep it, and oh, take yeah. it with I was, you. I took another. So my cruise was from Anchorage to Vancouver. Mm. So this time I got to go from Vancouver to Anchorage and see two other glaciers and a town that I hadn't gone in the first time. So wow. it turned out. Nice. I mean, my gosh, they were so nice. They'd call and say, "Are you doing okay?" And I'd say, "Well, yeah, I could use another glass of wine and pull out a bottle." I said, "I'm in." <laughs> I love these wow. people. Oh my God. So, well, Princess is a good cruise line. They were. It was, it, was, it was an experience, and if you had to be, if you had to be quarantined, it was a fine. And particularly since I wasn't sick. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I also took my oximeter with me, so I was constantly checking my oxygen levels. Oh, yeah. I was prepared. My yeah. kids call me Captain Danger. <laughs> so I missed where Lakeisha. Are you with any group or any? No, I just attend as a guest. Yeah. So you just came to see what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's been yes. here several times. Well, I have a, a interest, a quite huge interest in yeah. uh, senior adults. And yeah. uh, 
advocating. She has her own, own business, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Does so That's why services. what you're saying about your mother, uh, it hits uh, for me because I have been there yeah. with other clients. Yeah. So I know that feeling. Yeah. It's quite emotional. So I don't have an option here yet. You get the one. Anywhere you go to, I mean, I was glad I had it. Yeah. I was able yeah. to just make sure I was okay. Yeah. I also, to keep myself from going crazy, I exercise like every 45 uh -huh. minutes. My alarm would go off and I'd do like five minutes of stuff while yeah. I was yeah, How many passengers were on the um, They said they were only at 60% capacity, so yeah. I don't I don't know what that number okay. is, but the floor I was on was full of COVID people. Mm -hmm. Oh, my no. God. Wow. <laughs> How did you find that out? Because you were on quarantine? The way they would bring us our food is they put it on a tray right outside our door, yeah. and you open uh, the door and you look down, you can just see nothing uh, but trays of food. A lot of them got off at one point because yeah. they had spent their five days. Yeah. So they got to get off. Wow. But I could have, this is the awful part, I could have gotten on a bus and gone to Seattle and flown home, and nobody would have known that I had. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. a lot of people did that. And we talked about it, and I said, no, yeah. I, I am not taking that risk. I'm not oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I still think everything's un underreported right now. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, mine's reported. <laughs> because there's no symptoms. The right. people are walking around with yeah. no symptoms. Yeah. I would have thought I maybe had allergies. Yeah. The guy next to me had absolutely not a thing. There was somebody medevaced. I mean, it goes the gamut, yeah. you know. Yeah. Christine and I went down to visit our newest grandson just last week down in New Orleans. Oh, another one! Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, he just, he will turn one month old tomorrow. So oh! Uh, so we, we got him pretty fresh cut. Uh, but Christine and I tested ourselves before we went. And, uh, yeah, just to be cautious. Yeah, I did mm -hmm. that all the time. I yeah, took yeah. care of my mom and I tested Did you drive? Oh, no, we flew. Oh, you flew. Uh, and we wore our masks on the, on the airplane. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, um, there was a, a program that we should have all received emails on where you can order some additional self-help tests. Mm -hmm. And we've done that. And now we've got, got a 12. backlog of about eight, yeah, like uh, six yeah. per person. Home mm -hmm. tests in our mm -hmm. house, mm -hmm. and they all expire by August twenty first. Yeah, yeah, they have yeah. short expiration. Yeah, 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 they yeah. allow yeah. you to order more, but they're like for now. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, great. Well, well, that concludes. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Oh my gosh, no. That story took a way too much time. That, well, that, that was a good story. Thanks. Um, any new business? I uh, I think that the only new business that uh, I've encouraged is this virtual center for active adults. It really contributes to Tony to social resolving some social isolation issues too, um, and uh, this aging in place initiative. And I, I appreciate your willingness to pursue that and find out more information. So, uh, any other new business that uh, people would like to bring up? We know uh, when a permanent replacement is from then. Don't we don't think it's been advertised. No, I don't know. We don't know. Not that we're unhappy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Jeff, I alluded earlier and asked that you comment on the progress on the virtual membership or membership for senior centers. I have been, well, um, since I've had the 
added responsibilities. I have not been able to get a lot of it done. Yeah. But we are still in the process because I'm working with um, uh, the virtual, the um, adult, virtual adult, virtual adults. Center for adults. Virtual for adults. So I'm working with them because we may piggyback yeah. on what they're doing. Got it. Yeah. And just have a lot of kind of, a lot of kind of may have a twist where we will have actual memberships and charge a fee. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Great. Any other uh, comments or questions? We've gone well. The old business work plan, and we know uh, uh, social isolation that Tony and Kathy are working on. We've got good coverage on transportation. Mm -hmm. uh, transportation department has made more progress than than uh, I had previously understood. So I'm pleased to hear that they're getting additional equipment. Uh, originally, they were had only been approved for three additional vans, but now it looks like they've got more vans, more buses being ordered. <coughs> so it's uh, turning into quite a success story. And, and uh, and it's not our success, it's the transportation mm -hmm. department's success. But uh, early on, we were, we as a commission, were vitally interested in transportation for seniors and those with disabilities. And I attended a couple of the uh, transit commuter services uh, meetings and voiced those issues and concerns. And I would like to think that the, the concerns of the Commission on Aging uh, were part of the impetus for Chair Randall to uh, approve that, that plan to study what the shortfalls were. Remember, it, it was the unmet uh, transportation needs for the elderly and disabled, so uh, we have a direct link to that, and so it's uh, a success that we can all be proud of. Any other questions or comments? Uh, there being none, uh, I'd like to ask for a motion. Any opposed? There being no opposed, we have the same vote of five in 